You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Well, good morning. I'm grateful for you joining with us. Why don't you invite you to keep your Bible open to Colossians 1 and 2, where the Tucker family just read for us. Again, we're grateful. If you're a guest today, thank you for worshiping with us. A moment ago, you heard about a communication card on our church online page. We invite you to take that and let us know about your presence. We'd love to connect with you in the days to come. Well, a great big happy Mother's Day to you. I hope you've got big plans for this weekend. Celebrate mom. I know the Mays family does. You know, it's always difficult, isn't it, to know what to get mom. I'm reminded of a story several years ago of a very wealthy man struggling what to get his mother walked into a pet shop, and there he found one of the most unusual birds, a bird that was extravagantly expensive, $30,000 for a bird. And yet this bird could whistle Amazing Grace and quote Psalm 23 from memory. And so he decided, you know, what the heck, I'm extravagantly wealthy, I'm going to get this bird. He sent it to his mother. Several days later, he called her on Mother's Day. Hey, Mom, how'd you like the bird? That's when Mom said, oh, son, it was delicious. It's always a struggle, isn't it, to know what to get mom? Well, I hope that you've got a good plan in the days to come. I invite you to keep your Bible open to Colossians 1. Speaking of Mother's Day, let me just share with you the following. If you are a mom who gave birth this year to your first child, we celebrate with you. If you've lost a child this year, we mourn with you. If you're a mother in the trenches with little ones every day wearing a badge of food stains, we appreciate you. If you're one who's experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or a child that may have run away, we grieve with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with disappointment, we walk with you. To foster mothers, mentor mothers, spiritual moms, we desperately need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your mother, we celebrate with you. And to those who have disappointments, heartache, and distance from their children, we wait with you. To those of you who've lost mothers, we grieve with you. To those of you who've been encouraged to have abortion, we cry with you. And to moms who've been involved with driving tests, medical tests, and just the testing of your sanity, (laughs) we thank you. There are some mothers who are experiencing emptiness this upcoming year. We grieve with you, and perhaps with a few dads, we might rejoice with you. If you're pregnant with new life, we anticipate with you. But to all moms who are joining us in this time of worship, we honor you. Colossians chapter 1. I want you to look at this Mother's Day through the lens of a spiritual father. Paul, who wrote the book of Colossians, called himself a spiritual father. Another letter he wrote, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he writes these words, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I have become a father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul can be thought of as a spiritual father. Now, to the letter of Colossians, to the city of Coloss, he did not personally start that church. But people that he had spiritual influence over indeed did. Paul, by the way, is a significant individual. If you don't know much about your New Testament, welcome. We're glad you're here. Paul would contribute 13 of the 27 letters that comprise your New Testament. In fact, outside of Jesus himself, 
No one's had a greater influence in Christian history than the Apostle Paul. So this man is a spiritual father. And did you know that he himself called himself some of his actions that of a mother? He would write to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So I want you this morning to look at yourself as through the lens of this, this spiritual father. Now, psychologists tell us that most girls marry a boy like their dad. Maybe that's why most mothers cry at weddings. I don't know. I'll let you figure that mystery out. Only this, I want you to see your role, moms, your role, dads, through the lens of this spiritual father. Colossians chapter 2, look with me first as we speak about this subject, how do I assure the next generation, the next generation continues in the faith. Look with me first, I love to encourage you. I love to encourage you. Now, you're going to see three progressive steps. And those three steps are going to operate like the steps at your house. You take a step to get to the second floor. Each of these will arrive at the ultimate destination there at the end of verse 5 where the next generation is firm in the faith. But look with me first. I love to encourage you. The Bible says in verse 2 that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. A spiritual father, a mother, should have a love to encourage their children and to encourage them in what matters most. Not success in life, not a college degree, but spiritual success, spiritual growth. Moms, you need to see your home as a church. You need to see your house in the next generation as the responsibility of discipleship. In fact, I want you to notice this. In verse 29, and again in verse 1, the thought is together. There's a chapter division, but look at the thought. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So God supplies the energy, mom, amen, but you toil. In fact, look at verse 1 of chapter 2 where the word is similar here. How great a struggle. Notice those words. How great a struggle. That is an athletic term that is borrowed from Greek athletics. In fact, the word noun, agon, A-G-O-N, is from where we get our word agony. It is a picture of an athletic word here that a Greek foot race or a Greek wrestling match. Now, moms, you need to supply all your strength. I know God will supply strength as well. You exert all your strength to raise the next generation to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. See, a mother fights to see her children spur surge forward in spiritual growth. A mother fights with all her spiritual energy, exhausting herself to put her children on pedestals morally, spiritually, and even emotionally. Any parent knows that raising the next generation with any amount of success takes a lot of, a lot of effort. Any parent knows that. I'm reminded here of a young father who had just brought his child, his first child home. He had been raised in a traditional home. Dad did outside the house activities. Mom did inside the house activities. So this young father has his brand new baby in his arms. And that's when for the first time, the baby did something in the diaper that all babies do. Now, his dad had never changed a diaper. This young father's 
His dad had never changed a diaper. I'm not even sure if he knew what was in diapers. He probably had a vague idea of what was in there. And so at that moment when the child produces what children do inside the diaper, that's when the dad said, sweetheart, this baby needs to be changed. I love what the mom said, finders, keepers. Isn't that great? <laughs> finders, keepers. We know that any parent that raised successful children is going to take a considerable amount of work. Paul says he's agonizing. He's putting all his effort, not just for material success, not just for the American dream success in college and all that, but spiritual success, spiritual growth. In fact, he says he's got a great struggle for all of you at Colossus and again at Laodicea. Those two little towns you'll see in verse 1 are about 10 miles apart in the Lycus Valley. Mothers, let me again challenge you to see your house as a church, to see your children take the steps of faith. I found it really intriguing that a recent article of the Harvard Business Review found that a business started by a grandfather had only a 10% success rate for that business to still be in the family in time for his grandchildren to continue that business. Think of that. For a business that I might start, my grandchildren will continue only 10%. Now, if that's true economically, how much more spiritually? You see, for those generations, it's going to take all of our energy and discipleship. We need to give every amount of mental effort, mental strategy, physical effort, our words communicating the encouragement. This is going to take up a turn-up-the-sleeve type effort, put some elbow grease in it. So I'm challenging you, mothers, I'm challenging you to go about your life meaning business for God, to raise the next generation in the faith once delivered for the saints. Notice, if you will, Paul, again, he says, all my energy. I found it intriguing that this spiritual father on one occasion, speaking of his own role, would say these words in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, who is sufficient for these things? Truth be told, all of us who are parents would ask that question at one time or another. Who is sufficient for this type of thing? We need a generation again of mothers who mean business for God. Moms, in your day-to-day -day experience, you think that you are invisible. In your day-to-day -day experience, you're worried about your children. Oftentimes I hear from mothers, you think that you're a failure. You think that your children perhaps are not failing. You feel guilty. In fact, I found it Interesting that a New York Times article written about two years ago entitled A Job Description for the Dumbest Job Ever. It's a satire piece. Listen to it as it speaks about the article Motherhood. Quote, this position managed to be of the, of the utmost importance and yet somehow the least visible and or respected in the entire organization. And although you coordinate, plan, and do almost everything, you should expect, expect to crash face first into bed every night feeling that you've accomplished basically nothing. You know, being a mother is one of those jobs where you don't get your success. You don't know whether you're successful for two to three decades from your work today. Raising the next generation to fervently love Christ is a humbling job. May I say to you, don't let your feelings be your report card. Don't let your feelings today be your report card because spending yourself for the next generation to love Christ, it's nothing close to a failure. 
The first thing you need to do as a mom, the first thing you need to do in discipleship is I love to encourage you. Secondly, you'll want to say this, I want to protect you. I want to protect you. I want you to notice that he begins this role of protecting because he's got this vision of spiritual health for his children. He has this tremendous vision to see his children spiritually flourish. Do you have a vision for your little ones at home that your teenagers at home would have spiritual health? Do you have a vision that you would raise disciples and those disciples would go on and raise disciples? Do you have a vision that you'd be a spiritual grandparent? Look with me at verse 4 where he says, I want to protect you. I say this in order that no one may delude you, look at these words, with plausible arguments. The word there's unique inside the New Testament. My research showed us the only time that word was used. And it's a slick salesman. It's a religious huckster. And you need to be aware that moms and even you dads, there's all kinds of religious hucksters, agnostic hucksters, and atheistic hucksters today. And no one wants to be a sucker. No one wants to want to be taken in and deceived. No one wants to see the next generation deceived either. And as a parent, you need to teach the next generation. You know, the, I've seen as a pastor and years ago when the dinosaurs roamed the face of the earth as a youth pastor, I've not seen children who are drop, dropouts. I've not seen dropout kids, but I've seen dropout moms and dropout dads, misguided mothers and dropout fathers who failed to hand the truths of Scripture down to the next generation. Your children need help. They need help to avoid the deceitful traps of a smooth-talking religious salesman. He may come in the garb of scientific paraphernalia with his agnosticism or his atheism, but moms, you need a goal that your children would spiritually flourish. You need a written-down goal that your children would know God's Word. I heard of a mother one time when the pastor had visited the home. She wanted to impress the pastor, and she said to her son, Boy, go get that old book that your mother loves so well. A few minutes later, her son appeared out of the bedroom with the latest copy of Cosmo. Best laid plans went awry. You've got to have a vision that your children would embrace God's Word. You know why? Because the Bible says here in verse 4 that they could embrace lies. You see, imagine if your home, imagine if your city, mid-cities, North Fort Worth, were surrounded by an enemy. And these enemy forces want to lay siege. They want to destroy our city, and they want to destroy your family. Now, if you knew that the enemy outside those city walls had sympathizers, that inside the walls there were enemy sympathizers who were speaking the lies of the enemy, wouldn't you protect your children? no difference today. There are real liars in our culture who will bait and hook our children, the next generation. Moms, you need to form a wall of defense, a wall of vigilance. You need to know the truth of Scripture as well as the enemy's lies. And why is that? Because today's lies will lead to tomorrow's shame. The next generation, when they believe a lie, it can bring tremendous shame to a mother and father and tremendous shame to the next generation. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29 that a child left to himself or left to herself brings shame to a mother. Why is that? Because we are all extension of our parents. 
Their lives are in us. We are extensions of them. If I live an honorable life, it will bring honor to Brian and Ann Mays. If I live a life that is shameful, it will bring shame to Brian and Ann Mays. And the Bible doesn't just say about shame. It also says this, let your father and your mother be glad, Proverbs 23. Let her who bore you rejoice. And the truth is, some of you have brought your mothers to an early grave. Some of you fathers have said things that want to bring your wives to an early grave. Some of the pinched wrinkles in your daddy's forehead you've put there, some of the gray hair in your mother's head, let's not talk about gray hair, is because of the way you live. But the opposite is true. Some of you have put laugh lines in your mother and father's faces. The next generation, friend, needs your protection. It needs your encouragement from delusion. Third, here's what a mom does. Here's what a spiritual dad does. Here's what the disciple mechanism says. I want you to reach your full, your full spiritual potential. I want you to reach your full spiritual potential. Now, remember these three steps, encouragement, protection, now, full spiritual potential, they're progressive steps. If you've got a staircase in your home, you start on the first floor, you arrive at the second floor. Look at, look at the cherry on top of the Sunday. Here is our goal. Verse 5, this is where you want the next generation. You want to see them, though you're absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Those words, good order and firmness and faith. Those original Greek words, Koinonia Greek words, were also found in extant literature describing military order. Now, it's not that we all would look like soldiers. There's diversity in the body of Christ. But how do I know if I've seen success? When my next generation has a firmness to their faith. Let me close with this. Speak to moms and dads for just a moment. Let me give you three aspects as we talk about seeing their full potential, let me give you three aspects of godly parenting. First, you need to be constantly praying. You need to be praying constantly for your children's conversion. There's no guarantee that just because there's Christian moms and dad, you're going to have the next generation embrace Christ. You need to be praying for that. Attach a Bible verse to it, John 6, 44. Look that verse up, if you will, and be praying to the next generation the day that they come to know Christ. Secondly, model a godly life. You need to be modeling a godly life. You need to model that. I love what it's reported that Abraham Lincoln said here. No man is poor who has a godly mother. No man is poor who has a godly mother. How do I, how do I model a godly life? Let me give you a couple things here. Read the Bible out loud in your home. Your children should hear the words of Scripture read through their moms and dads. They should find a copy of God's word from their mother and their father, and it's well-worn. They need to see you purposefully reading God's word out loud. Secondly, pray with your children. Pray with them. You pray with them. It can start out with simple prayers, but have them pray, and you pray with them. The goal is to see them pray. The goal is to hear them pray out loud. Third, we talk about how to model a godly life. Own your mistakes. We're all going to mess up. The best people who know about my hypocrisy is the people closest to me. So own your mistakes. And how do we do this? How do we do this? Here's number three. Don't try to be God. Model a godly life. Read the Bible out loud. Pray with your kids. But don't try to be God. 
What do I mean by that? Recognize God does the saving and you don't. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.